Come and see is an invitation to explore. Jesus used the phrase, Philip used the phrase, and a Samaritan woman used the phrase. The question is, how often do we invite others to come and see for themselves what Jesus has done? As people were invited to come and see, each one got to experience Jesus for themselves, and it changed their lives forever. They got to experience the teaching of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and the changes He can bring as they place their faith in Him. Come on this journey and see for yourself the difference Jesus can make in your life. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to be here, and uh, I know there's a few uh, weary teenagers and probably leaders amidst, in our midst today. Uh, so welcome to you as well. Try not to fall asleep. Uh, you should have had 24 hours to fix yourselves up after that anyway. We've had a wonderful week at camp, and uh, we've had lots of uh, decisions. You're going to hear a little bit more about camp later on. And uh, so I'll, I'm not going to spoil anyone's thunder, but it's been wonderful to be away with our young people. And we arrived home safely on Friday night, just to be around five o'clock or something, we got back in. So thank you to all who supported our teenagers in getting there. And I think if you talk to them, most of them, if not all of them, have had a wonderful week. But we're in a series on a Sunday morning called Come and See where we've been looking at the response that people have had to the invitation to come and see all that Jesus was about. And, I, and the underlying thing that I want us to get from the entire series is that we, we can do that in our own culture. We don't have to wait for a special event or anything like that to happen for people to come and see. Let's start talking and inviting people just Come and see for yourselves. Last week I touched on the fact that we shouldn't be worrying about what we've just heard uh, or we shouldn't base our life on what we've just heard. We need to examine the evidence for ourselves. And so week one we looked at Jesus' invitation to two of John's disciples to come and see where he was living. They were so impressed with Jesus when they got there that they stayed for the rest of the day. We find that Philip, uh, also, who had met with Jesus, had, went, was so excited about who this Jesus was and what he was doing that he went and asked his friend Nathaniel to come and see if this was possibly the Messiah. Come and see for yourself. We saw last week that Nathaniel's response was probably typical of what you and I might hear from people. What, and he says, well, what good ever came out of Nazareth? And what's the point? And that's probably more the comment you'll hear. I don't need that or it's, there's no point in that. And we can become dejected when we get that time and time again. But to Nathaniel's credit, he came anyway and his life was changed forever. And I know that even though we might get rejections from time to time when we invite people along to come and see for themselves that Jesus is at work. <clears throat> and even if they don't come, Keep on asking. Don't become uh, dejected too much to the point where we feel like it's, it's not worth it. What good is it to even ask because I know what they're going to say. You may be surprised. 
Today, we are going to look at another passage of Scripture in John, John chapter 4, uh, familiar to you if you have been part of our, if you've been reading Scriptures at all. Um, John chapter 4 is about a conversation that Jesus has with a Samaritan, uh, a Samaritan woman and her response to what she found when she talked to Jesus, or Jesus, it was a conversation. So if you've got your script. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you've got your scriptures, turn to John chapter 4. It should be on the bottom of your screen if you're online as well. John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, He had gone, that being Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, we'll talk about that in a minute. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed. And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while you, we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? wise men. And why are you talking to her? 
The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, <clears throat> they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. For those who are following in your own scriptures, I jump to verse 39 partway through. You probably picked that up. All right. Now, just I know without a show of hands and probably some who are watching online that there are many in our congregation who are visual learners, right? You, you like to see something on paper and it makes a lot more sense, more so than just being told. Well, I've put this map on the screen, which is going to come up uh, now, and to be able to show you where we are talking about. If, I don't know if you can see that red dot, but Jer Jesus is on his way from here up to here. That's where he's going, from Jericho up to Galilee or into Cana. He stops here at Sychar because that's where they're resting. It's noontime. That's where Jacob's well is. It's still there today, and you can still drink water from Jacob's well today. Um, it's, it's good water. The water is deep, something like 300 feet deep, the well, the well is, but it's still there. And you can actually um, visit it and all that sort of stuff today. So that's where Jesus is at this moment in time. He's heading from Jericho, and he's walking with his disciples, and he stops at this well for a rest or, or while the disciples went into the village to get some lunch. Okay, that just gives you a little bit of um, position of where you are. But also we read in the scriptures that the Samaritans or Jews or Samaritans don't talk to Jews and vice versa. Why is that? What went so horribly wrong? Because they both worship the same God. They both worship God Almighty. The, the Jews and Samaritans really didn't get along because the Jews saw the Samaritans as having an impure generational line. What happened was back in the Old Testament when the Assyrians came in and they exiled a lot of people or the Jewish people, some stayed, but some were exiled. And the ones who were exiled, many of them intermarried with the Assyrians. And they, that was contrary to what God had said to them in Deuteronomy 7. He'd said you should not intermarry, you're not to marry, intermarry. But they did. And they, their generational line of Jew was distorted or became impure. That's where the Samaritan line came through. And the true Jews did not think that the unpure, impure Jews were really worthy of anything because they disobeyed the scriptures of what God had wanted them to do. That was the issue. And so it, it becomes very clear as we read through this passage where even the Samaritan woman says she was shocked that she, Jesus would even talk to her. Not just because she was a Samaritan, but because she was a woman at that. So 
This was, you can imagine why now, that, so in other parts of scripture, when Jesus is telling parables about a good Samaritan or those sorts of things that the Jews were really taken back, they, they really hated the, the Samaritan people because of what they'd done. And it's also why the Samaritans were commonly known as dogs. And it was that, that was the basis of, of everything that was taking place in this. They both really worshipped the same God. They had a little bit of a misunderstanding or misbalance in understanding in what happened after life and all those sorts of things. But essentially, they were half-caste Jews where they, they really didn't want them to be there. So Jesus is travelling back to Galilee and he passes through uh, this town of Sychar in Samaria. And it's just where Jacob's well is. And he stops for rest. It's noontime. It's lunchtime. And the disciples head off into town to get some lunch. And Jesus uh, waits at the well for their return. Was he too old to travel with them? I probably think not. I think there was a plan in Jesus's mind all along. And he would have anticipated exactly what was about to take place. While they're gone, this Samaritan woman comes along to the well to get some water. Middle of the day, doesn't seem logical, but it, it is what she's doing. And that's where the story gets a little bit interesting because Jesus, a Jew, actually talks to a woman who is a Samaritan. And so today I, I've got three questions which you could take very negatively if you want. And it's not meant negatively, it's really... I want you to take these questions as a bit of a self-examination from, from a pure heart from me. It's not to make you feel bad. But I want us to start considering why is it that we struggle so much with the invitation to come and see? Why? Why are we a little bit reluctant to do that? And I've got these three questions I want to ask you. And the first one is this. Could it be that we are a little bit too judgmental in who we choose to talk to? Could it be that we're a little, I would even add in there, could it be that we're a little racist at times about who we talk to? Because with the disciples gone, Jesus strikes up this conversation with this woman. And that was clearly not what the dumb thing was. Not only was the woman surprised that Jesus was talking to her as a woman, but she actually makes mention of the fact, or it's mentioned for us, that Samaritans don't talk or Jews don't talk to Samaritans. It caught her out. And she was surprised. But I get the feeling that that's exactly what Jesus wanted her to feel. And it's exactly the message I believe Jesus wants us to know and understand even in our culture. That there, as, as, a, as a Christian, as someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, it should not matter who we talk to. Even the despised people of our society need the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Jesus was doing right there was to put aside any idea that we or anybody should be picking and choosing who we ought to be speaking the truth to. So that's where this question comes in. Uh, could it be that we're a little judgmental on who we actually talk to? Luke 9, Jesus says, says this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, 
The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's not be fearful of speaking up. And I know that it's far easier to talk to people we are comfortable with than it is to talk with people that we are not so comfortable with. And it's not just race of people. There are some of us who find it really easy to talk with, with teenagers and others who just find it really awkward to talk with a teenager. Or vice versa, a teenager who finds it easy to talk with someone uh, who's another teenager, but really awkward to talk with someone who might be more, much more senior to them. And so we don't. We rarely interact with those people. But what if? What if you had, we had the opportunity of talking with those people? And it would be this woman at the well meets Jesus moment for us. Where, what are you talking to me for? You don't normally talk to me, I know. But that's what the point was. I know it's easier to talk to people that we regard as comfortable. But I wonder even if we do that regularly. And I, and I think one of the questions I, I ask myself is, how often do I do that? When was the last time I even had a spiritual conversation with, with my neighbour? When was the last time you had a spiritual conversation with your neighbour? Do you remember, most of you remember, but do you remember what John 3.16 says? It's probably one of the most well-known, memorised verses in the entire world. I'm absolutely confident of that. So even many non-church-going people would probably have an idea, may not know the reference, but they, when I start to say what the words are, they'll say, you've heard that. John 3.16. Most of us know that, word, that verse off by heart when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know that, that God loved the world so much that he sent his, his son Jesus. We, we, in that one verse, we read that God loves us. We read that Jesus died for us. We know that we can have eternal life through this Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful verse. It sums up the gospel message very succinctly and one that many of us remember right from our very early age. And they're Jesus' own words. And they speak truth. And it's a good verse to know. Now, I've talked to some of you about this next verse because I'm just doing a little bit of an internal survey to myself. But if I was to ask you, how many know John 3.16? I'd suggest that many of you would put your hand up. But if I was to say to you, how many of you know Luke 9.23? I would suspect that the number of hands that were up would suddenly disappear. In fact, I know you know the verse, or many of you do. You probably don't know the, the reference and as soon as I mention what the, word, what the verse is, you'll say, oh, yeah, I knew that. 
but we don't recall it very well. It's not the first thing that we recall, especially in relation to John 3.16, that we do recall quite readily. And Luke 9.23 says this, and you'll go, ah, oh, yeah, I knew that. Jesus says to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Most of you have heard that verse before. And while the first verse is often used to speak to new Christians, rarely do we use Luke 9.23. But the truth is, I believe that both of them need to go together for us to get a picture of what a Christian is. Yes, we need to understand that God loves us. John 3, 16 focuses on this believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves us. He gave his life for us. We have eternal life through him. It's about believing in him. And here's the interesting thing. While that verse focuses on believing, Luke 9 focuses on the following of Jesus. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, this is what you've got to do. There are two parts, I believe, to our Christian walk. First, there is that we need to believe, but believing without following doesn't happen. There's no believing without following. If we really believe, we would want to follow. And that's the, the, the dilemma, I think, that many of us find. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we don't want to do what we're supposed to do. And that's where we all struggle. Who is this invitation to in Luke 9? He says, if anyone desires to come after me. Who's the invitation to? Anyone. Not anyone that it's easy to talk to. Not anyone who's well-liked, not just anyone who has lots of money or has a good job or has their life in order, not anyone who doesn't smoke, who doesn't drink or ta have, take drugs or have tattoos. It's none of those things. They're not limiting factors in who we need to express our love towards and share with. If anyone Anyone means everyone, and everyone means anyone wants to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the invitation is there. And we need to, I think that's where we run into trouble when we don't want to talk, because we're ashamed of that or afraid of that. And our culture does that to us to some degree. And the problem is we're not really that eager to talk to people who don't measure up to to us or our way of dealing with people. And that's really sad and disappointing because we, we say we follow Jesus and Jesus spoke to anyone, even a divorced woman of five husbands who's now living with someone who's not a husband. So why are we afraid to speak about Jesus Christ? It's just a question. What holds us back? And Paul encourages Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says, preach the word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He's talking to Timothy, who is a pastor of a church. And he's reminding him, Timothy, just preach the word. Let the word do the work. 
So I guess the question comes back to, could it be that we are a little bit too judgmental in who we talk to? Just a question. Second one, could it be that we may be too ashamed of the gospel to speak up? I think my reaction to that, of course I'm not. But just as the disciples came, come back, this woman runs off into town and the disciples are amazed as well that Jesus would be talking to the woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or what are you talking to her for? None of them. Probably a good move on their part because it would have raised another discussion with Jesus. In fact, this woman was so excited about the fact that she feels that she may have just met the Messiah, the reason that she came to the well for, what was the reason she came for? To get water. And the Bible tells us that she left her water jug at the well. She drops what she's doing, forgets what she's doing, and she runs back off into town. My question is, did Jesus ever get his drink? No, it's not. But it, that doesn't matter because the woman ran with such excitement to the townspeople where she came from telling them to come and see a man who knew everything about her life. Jesus had just given a very small portion of that. But she recognised that this man knew everything about her and he still had the time to speak with her, knowing all her faults. Her question was, could this be the Messiah? Could be, this be the one that we are waiting for? Now, we don't know a lot about this woman and who she was, but the fact that she was living in adultery as a Samaritan woman, that, would have, that was wrong. The fact that she'd been divorced five times is enough to know that she was probably not the most respected woman of the town. She was probably frowned upon. She probably made a name for herself and that we get that picture because they all seem to know of this woman when she runs back into the town. And it was probably not nice thoughts that they had about her. And it may not have even been a really easy thing for her to do, to go running back into town to say what she said. Could this be the Messiah? Come and see a man who has told me everything, that I've, everything I've ever done. And fully embarrassed, she leaves her, her jug at the well. So this woman is kind of like, it would have been so much easier to go home and tuck herself up in front of the TV and binge watch a Netflix movie or something equivalent. But she doesn't. And here's what I want us to understand. Could it, when we receive the good news of Jesus Christ, when we have that good news, if you can think back, if it was a long time ago when you gave your heart to the Lord, well, it may be a little bit more difficult, but if it's more recent... When that moment happened in your life, who was the first person you told? And I would suggest that the reality for most of us, including me, 
is that we're just too ashamed to speak about it with our friends. Worried that we'd lose our friends, they're worried that we wouldn't measure up or they'd, we'd lose them. We picked very carefully who we spoke to because we didn't want to lose a friendship or embarrass ourselves. And yet this woman goes into the town and basically shouts it from the mountaintop. Are we too ashamed of the gospel to speak up? Is that why we don't speak up? Are we worried about our reputation? Are we worried that, that our job, we might lose a position of, of rising up through the, the ranks at work? The thing is that if we are serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ and being a follower of him, we need to understand that being a secret admirer costs us nothing. And so Luke 9.23 comes into play. If you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. It's going to cost us to follow Jesus. Believing is not going to just cut it if we really do want to follow Jesus. Jesus says in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife and children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And, whatever does not, and whoever does not bear his cross and, can, come, and come after me cannot be my disciple. And many, 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 many in our culture have heard those words and have said, it's too hard. I just can't do it. Many in Jesus' day did the same thing when he had a crowd of perhaps thousands that he was talking to. And he said, if you want to be my follower, I am the bread of life. Anyone who follows after me must eat my flesh and drink my blood to be my disciple. And the scriptures tell us that they answered back, that's just such a hard teaching, we can't do that. And many walked away that day as well because it was just too hard. They believed in Jesus, but they couldn't follow him because the following made it too hard. Now we've spoken before, and you can go back into past sermons on YouTube and find them there about what it means to hate our father and mother, brother, sister, even our own life. We've talked about that. But what Jesus is literally saying in that verse is that we need to put Jesus first. And unless he is our number one in our life, being a disciple of Jesus is really not going to eventuate. Because we can believe that if we can't follow, and following means, Jesus has told us, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him, then we cannot be his disciple. Jesus says those words. The best thing, if we are unwilling to do that, we can probably hope for, is believing that Jesus is the Son of God and not doing anything else. That may sound fine until we read James. James 2 says this, If you believe there is one God, well, that you do well, good. I'm glad you believe there is one God. I'm glad you believe in Jesus Christ because even the demons believe that and they tremble. 
But do you want to know, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? What James is saying is exactly the same thing. It's not just okay to believe in Jesus Christ, because even demons believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't follow Jesus Christ. And that's the crux of this come and see part. What James is saying, believing is not really enough. Believing and following go hand in hand. We cannot make a decision to believe in Jesus without really making a decision to follow him. And that's going to cost us. And we need to weigh up the value of that, whether we can afford to do that. Jesus explained that no one builds a building without first weighing up the costs of what it's going to cost to get it through. Otherwise, you get halfway through, run out of money, and you're the laughing stock of the town. We're finishing the building. The scriptures don't just allow for us to do that. If we are too ashamed to speak up, at some point, our secret life with Jesus is going to come out. It's going to. Either willingly, this side of heaven, or reluctantly, the other side. The choice is ours. Are we too ashamed of the gospel to speak up? Could that be one of the reasons we don't? Third and final one. Could it be that we're too set in our ways to accept the invitation? Come and see, this woman shouts from the mountaintop across the town. Come and see a man. Could he be the the Messiah? And then in verse 30, John 4.30, we read these words. So the people came streaming from the village. To see him. This could have gone two different ways. It could have gone well or it could have gone bad. And the problem for all of us is that we always tend to think that things will go bad. We all kind of do that. We think, well, you know, what if they don't? How embarrassed will, embarrassing will it be if I say something and speak up and suddenly they're laughing at me? We're reluctant to speak up sometimes, I think, but. Some of us who are here or listening somewhere in the world today are on the other side of this where you're not the one boldly inviting people to come and see. You are the one who is actually being invited. You're the one who someone may have said to you, come and see for yourself. And by some chance you happen to be listening People have said to you, come and see, and maybe you're even here today reluctantly because you just thought, well, I'll just keep them quiet. But then you look outside and you think, well, it's a a great day to be out doing something else, fishing. I don't know whether it is, but it could be a great day to go fishing or it could be a great day to go down the beach with our family. It's just so many other things I could have been doing, but I'm stuck here. If that's you then I want to say to you, you're in a very good place to have your life transformed. You are in the best possible place today to change your life forever. And you've made the best choice possible. Today very well may be the best day of your life if and when you respond 
to the come and see that people have asked you to do. Because the people streamed from the village in response to the woman's testimony. Many Samaritans, it says in verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because of what the woman said. And what did she say? Come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. It's not really the great evangelistic message, is it? But they believed her. And God was at work. And I believe that when we go and we ask and we talk and we pray about what those things prior to and we know what we are supposed to do, that we too will be on the, the blessing side of that. Jesus changes us. He has the answer to life's greatest problems. But what would have happened if that crowd had thought to themselves, that woman, she's a bit of a loser. We don't have a lot of respect for her. I'm not going to waste my time chasing after some man she thinks might be important. Go on, go away with you. What if they'd done that? What would have happened if they'd been so set in their ways that even after she came shouting all the stuff that she shouted, they were unwilling to listen. What would have happened if they came and decided that they could do whatever they wanted to keep themselves happy? I tell you what would have happened. They would have missed out on the best day of their life. They would have missed the opportunity to meet their Messiah. They would have missed out on the opportunity to know they have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge us today that if you've been one of the ones that has been just coming along to church, watching online, or being part of that just to make someone happy or just to keep someone off your back, maybe today is the day that Jesus is really trying to talk to you. The crowd came with the woman and they believed because of she said, come and see a man who knows all about me. But look what happens as they start to actually listen to Jesus and put aside their own thoughts and their own agendas. Look what, they, look what happens. We read it before, but it says, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman... Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. The invitation to come and see, they believed because of her. But when they came and saw, they believed because they knew Jesus. They heard Jesus. And I would challenge us, if there's anyone here or listening to, to seriously consider the words of Jesus and not be challenged to change the life. If anyone could do that, we are going to find ourselves challenged at some point, sometime into the future. You cannot come under the influence of the Holy Spirit and not have your heart challenged. It's just not possible. You have a choice. We all have a choice. We can accept it or reject it. The women, the woman that went into the town 
probably didn't even think about it, but that was the choice the townspeople had. They could accept it or reject it. We can either choose to believe or choose to ignore. If our choice is to believe and yet our life goes on as it did before, our belief really is in vain because it's not just about believing, it's then following Jesus in the process of that. If, you, if we believe but don't want to follow, it's kind of the same as choosing to ignore in many respects. It's, it's really hard. In fact, it may even be impossible to be a Christian, a Christ follower, if we refuse to follow Christ. Believing is only half the process, and Jesus made it clear that our belief needed to be shown in our actions. James 2.17 says, Also by itself, if it does not have works, sorry, faith by itself is dead. If it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and not doing or following Jesus Christ is dead. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, James says, is not enough. You're as dead, D-E-D, dead. I oh, know, D-E-A-D, dead. If we believe in Jesus but we're not prepared to pay the cost, our faith is useless. And we're too, are we too set in our ways to accept the words of Jesus? And if we're worried about what others might think, if we're worried about losing our reputation, if we're worried about any of those things, can I suggest that we're already in trouble? We need to put that aside. I need to put that aside. We need to just... I have a little saying that I don't usually publicly declare, but I, it, I say this to my family at times, just suck it up, sunshine. It's not the nicest thing to say to somebody, but that's what I say to myself here. I need to just suck it up sometimes. And I need to do stuff that I don't like doing sometimes. Because if I only do what I ever want to do, I probably won't do what I should be doing. Because if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, I need to be taking up my cross daily and following him. Denying myself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 There's coming a day when we will all stand before Jesus Christ. In judgment, perhaps. And the first stage of judgment will be to discern between those who have accepted and followed Jesus and those who have not. Jesus tells us a couple of parables about the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the, tare, wheat and the tares, and, and saying that on that day there'll, there'll be a separation of those who did and those who didn't. The second stage will be for those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and it will be about what we have done with what, that decision. About what we've done with what we've been given. And I don't want us to leave it till too late. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when we can accept Jesus. Today is the day we can make a stand and stand firm. Today is the day that we need to decide to follow Jesus if we've never done it. Today is the day to decide to go and ask someone to come and see, talk to them about Jesus Christ, pray about who God might be leading to you to, to come and see 
coming up in two weeks' time is a special Sunday service that we're calling our Friend Sunday. But I don't want you to think we've got to wait for a Friend Sunday to invite a friend. But that Sunday we'll be looking at something very special and I want you to start inviting people to come along. Come and see for yourself. There are invitations in the church foyer. There are plenty of them there. And in fact, they're no good sitting on the front counter of the church foyer because I might as well put them in the trash. Come and see. Many came to Jesus as a result of this woman's testimony. Many more believed because they came and they saw. We have no idea what difference one person may have and what influence they might have with their friends as well. You can all probably think about someone who you know who came to know the Lord. Billy Graham's a great example of this. You, does anyone know who, who shared Christ with Billy Graham? Why not? I've been told and I forget, but that doesn't matter. The point is, Billy Graham, when he shared, the, shared that message with Billy Graham, did he know who he was sharing with? I'm pretty sure the answer is no. So I challenge you, you cannot be sure who you're going to be sharing with. It could be the next prime minister of our country. It could be a wonderful, great spiritual leader. It could be someone that's going to influence thousands, if not more, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no clue. And you may be the no name. And it doesn't matter because Jesus Christ knows who you are and your job our role as a Christian is to invite, to go into this world and make disciples. Come and see is the invitation. Go and be will be the challenge that we want people to accept. But come and see. So I invite you to take those invitations, to start the conversations with your neighbours. Invite people along. I'm not looking for people going to other churches. They're fine. Come and see. Because Jesus is at work. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And you are all, you are working in all our lives. I am absolutely confident of that. We are here today because you invited us. We took up the challenge. There are others, Father, who I know who are online watching at the moment, who are unable to be here. And I pray today that, that, we, that you might just impact each and every one wherever we are to trust you and seek after you with all of our heart father those questions we can look at that and 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 think that they're a little they're accusing us of something but reality is father we all are a little reluctant at times help us to be strong and courageous as you reminded joshua to stand firm, be strong in the courageous and courageous, keeping our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, not wavering to the left or to the right, but being firm in what we believe, certain of the things that we hope for, confident of the things that we cannot see. Help us, Father. Strengthen our faith and give us the courage to follow you.
irrespective of what people might say, do or think. Because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, even to the point of death. And to that end, Father, we come. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and feet to respond with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.